0: From the violence of the death of Christ to the victorious death of Christ. Next, on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Over the last couple of programs here on Abounding Grace, we took a look at the violence of the death of Jesus Christ. Here, Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54, we see the victory that's found in this death. That's right, a victory in death. Let's examine that together, shall we? Here on today's edition of Abounding Grace is our teacher and pastor. In Matthew 27, Pastor Gary Wagner.
1: What we'll be looking at is what are the benefits of the death of Christ that have accrued to us. What are the blessings that have come to us through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ? Last week, as I said, we looked at the horrific death of Christ upon the cross, and we considered the shame and the slander and the separation that Christ suffered while He was dying on that cross, and the submission that He chose when He yielded up His Spirit to His Father. Now, today, we are going to consider what Christ accomplished in His death upon that cross, what was achieved in His crucifixion. What did He secure? What did He attain? What power was there in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, some would simply say that Jesus merely provided a good example for us in the way that He died. In other words, what Jesus accomplished in His death was that He demonstrated what it looks to be fully committed to a cause in this world. Or to put it in another way, what Jesus achieved is what it looks like to die as a martyr or as a supreme example of Love, But if that is all Jesus accomplished in His death upon the cross, then, beloved, we are still in our sins today. Instead, as we look at this passage, we discover that there are real, tangible benefits to the death of Christ. There are objective blessings that have come to us through His death. And in verses 51 through 54, to finish our study on the death of Christ, I want you to note three primary benefits that we have been given. First, in verse 51, access to God. In verses 51 through 53, resurrection unto life. And in verse 54, forgiveness of sins. Let's begin now in verse 51, where we see, first of all, our access to God immediately, instantaneously. We were given access into the very presence of God through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in verse 51, and behold, which is to say, look at this, this is amazing. This is astonishing. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now that veil was the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle, or in this case, the temple. It blocked all the entrance into the most holy place, and what it symbolized was the unapproachability of God by sinners. The veil was part of the sacrificial system, which was a picture lesson that God gave to those in the Old Testament, actually the Old Testament gospel. How can a sinful man approach a holy God? And the answer is that sinful man cannot approach a holy God. In his own efforts, or His own good works, or His own religiosity. There is only one way for any of us here today to approach our holy God, and it is to have someone represent us who is designated by God as a high priest to go before God on our behalf and bring a sacrifice for our sins. And all of this was taught in the Old Testament sacrificial system. All of this is the gospel presented in the Old Testament looking forward to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take a step back for a few minutes and trace this theme through Scripture that now finds its fulfillment here in verse 51. And the first text I'd like us to refer to is Exodus 26, verse 31. When God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments, he then also gave him what we call the ceremonial law, a law system that governed how God was to be worshipped. You know, we must always worship God in the manner by which he has prescribed to us. And beginning in, in, in Exodus, actually, 25, God gave the layout for the tabernacle. This is how you are to set up a house of worship in which my people are to worship me, God said. Every of the tabernacle, beloved, communicated some truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and about God and man and sin. And the entirety of the tabernacle would find its fulfillment in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Exodus 26, verse 31, God first established in the building of the tabernacle, which was carried over to the temple, that there would be a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It would be made with cherubim the work of a skilled workman. The veil hung in the tabernacle before the Holy of Holies, and it was for a separation. No one was allowed to go beyond the veil but one person. On the other side of this veil is where God dwelt. No one could access God. No one could go into the presence of God because, beloved, we are too sinful and God is much too holy. This veil represented that vast chasm separating a holy God and sinful man. And by the designation of God, the only only one who could enter into the Holy of Holies through that veil was a man once a year, and that man was the high priest. And that one day of the year was the day of atonement. In Leviticus 16, the entire chapter is given to describe this one single most important day in all of Israel. Now, remember, they had all kinds of feasts, many of what they called holy days. But the one day that rose like Mount Everest over all the other days was the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, God prescribed how the priest was to lay his hand upon a scapegoat and symbolically uh, picture the transferring of the sins of the people of God to that scapegoat, scape to the wilderness, and also the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world. There was a second goat that was to be sacrificed on that day, and the high priest was to take the blood of this goat and enter in through the veil where no one else was to go and into, as it were, the very presence of God, and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat, symbolically making an atonement for the people of God. Now, there was no efficacy in that sprinkled blood. It was only a picture. It was only a foreshadowing. It was only a type of the blood of Christ that would be shed upon Calvary's cross, but it was all intended to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in Leviticus 16, the veil was put into place, and it was said that no man, that only one man, the high priest, alone could go through and come into the very presence of God, bringing the sacrificial offering, the blood. Year after year, year after year, this practice continued. But it only made a temporary covering for sin. It in no way could take away anyone's sin. There would only be one sacrifice that could accomplish that, and that is the perfect sacrifice from the perfect God-man in the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. What would happen if someone said, I don't care what God says. I'm going behind that veil. I don't care. I'm going to go into the presence of God. Well, Israel had a king named Uzziah. He was the king of Israel for 52 years. And he had been met with great success militarily, financially, politically, in every way across the board. He was a powerful king, and it went to his head. And he began to think that it all came about by his own doing. He came one day to the high priest and said, I'm going behind the veil. And the priest, of course, warned him. Then 80 other priests gathered together, and they forbid him to enter, telling him, you cannot go on to the other side of the veil. That is reserved alone for the high priest, and only on the day of atonement, the king Uzziah said, get out of my way. And brazenly, pompously, arrogantly, he strode into the holy of holies. And that moment... At his foot entered in to this most holy place, God struck him with leprosy. Uzziah, you may not come into my presence. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have done. I don't care how big you are in the world. You are nobody, Uzziah, in comparison to me. So God struck him with leprosy. Now, leprosy in the Old Testament was singled out out of all the other diseases as a picture of sin and how it grossly affected a person. Any time anyone had leprosy, they had to totally separate them, themselves from all the people of God. They had to go outside the town to what was called a leper's colony. And any time they would come into town... They had to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. Their very lives were a picture lesson of sin. They were seen as the embodiment of sin, and they were separated from God and from the people, and no one could have contact with them. They were considered unclean, even in the eyes of God. No one, no one could go on the other side of the veil And enter the Holy of Holies. In fact, the high priest himself, when he went into the Holy of Holies, had a rope tied around him, and a bell was put on him. And as long as the other priests could hear the bell clanging on the inside, they knew that he was alive and still performing his priestly function. But if that bell was to ever stop sounding, they assumed God had struck him dead, And with the rope, they would pull him out of the holy of holies. For they would not dare go in themselves. Today, we really have no comprehension as to how holy God is. And we really have no idea of how contaminated we are with sin And how we may only approach a holy God by the means he has prescribed. In Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2, the two sons of Aaron decided they would worship God however they chose. And these men, Adab and Abihu, took strange fire and decided we'll just reinvent church, we're going to reinvent worship. We'll just do church our own way. We'll worship God how we want to worship God. And they suffered the consequences of that. God struck them dead. God alone prescribes how we shall be worshipped and who shall be allowed into His presence. What an extraordinary privilege it is, my friends, to have access, direct access, to the trice-holy God of heaven and earth. The one to whom the angels this very day are surrounding His throne, crying out in epiphanal manner, Holy, Holy, Holy. There is out day and night throughout all the ages, Holy, Holy. And then, and when the Apostle John was caught up into heaven, and he entered the throne room, he heard the same thing. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God who was, who is, and who is to come. This veil was put there by God, and it was an act of mercy because anyone, if anyone came directly into the presence of the most holy God, they would be struck dead. Moses asked, it, asked in Exodus thirty-three eighteen, "God, show me your glory." And God said, "No one can see my glory and live." So, go hide yourself behind the rock, and I will cause my glory to pass before you. And all that passed before Moses as he hid himself behind the rock was actually the afterglow of God's glory. For there's no way Moses could look directly into the glory of God and live. He would have been burned up like a cinder. God was communicating through the entirety of the Old Testament, the entire sacrificial system, the tabernacle, the temple, and all of the sacrifices, and the Day of Atonement, and the entire priesthood, that God is holy, 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 And sinful men may not come directly into the presence of an infinitely holy God. Beloved, what we read in Matthew 27, verse 51, is quite frankly shocking. This had never happened before, this is unprecedented. And no wonder Matthew begins, and behold, in other words, put your mind into this. That veil that separated sinful man from a holy God, that veil said God is inaccessible. God is unapproachable by sinners. Well, that sin was torn in two It was rent, meaning that the death of Christ has given us access into the very presence of God. Please note that it says, from top to bottom, meaning that it was an indication of a divine act. It was the invisible hand of God, the Father Himself, who took the veil like a mere piece of notebook paper and just ripped it in two as if to set it aside, giving us a new direct access into the presence of God. This says that you and I may now, in Christ, do what was unthinkable in the Old Testament. We may now come directly with boldness and confidence into the very throne room of God and bring our requests and our petitions to the Father in heaven. What an extraordinary privilege prayer is that we may come into the most intimate relationship with God, to access God on His throne. In verse 51, we see with the veil of the temple being torn, the end of the entire Levitical system. We see the end of the priesthood. It means the end of sacrifices. The entire ceremonial system in the Old Testament is now abolished because it has all been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. There would be no more sanctioned priesthood by God. There would be no more prescribed bloody sacrifice that they would bring to God. Now access has been opened up to come in the very presence of God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man man comes to the Father but through me. And those who came to believe in Christ in the book of Acts, before they were even called Christians, were called those who were of the way. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's the only way to the throne of God. And those who became the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ became identified as those who are of the way, who are following the Lord Jesus Christ into intimate fellowship with God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, we read, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let that soak in for just a second. We do not come apologetically. We do not come to Christ whimpering. We do not come as though we have no right to come. We come having been given the right through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to come boldly and we are to come confidently before the very throne of grace that we might grow to know God more deeply, that we might worship Him more deeply, and that we might bring our petitions to Him and seek Him for grace in time of need. Hebrews 10.20 goes on to describe this entrance into the holy place through the blood of Christ. It says, by a new and living way. This new and living way is Jesus Christ Himself, which He inaugurated for us. The idea that it never existed before, He is the one who opened it up. He's the one who is the pioneer of this way. Look at verse 20, by a new and living way, which He has consecrated or inaugurated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. Now think with me, what the writers of Hebrew were saying is that when the veil was torn, it was also a picture of the body and the flesh of Christ that was torn on that cross. And as Jesus suffered and bled and died upon the cross and suffered an ignominious death, it was that torn veil, the very flesh of Jesus, that we now enter into the very presence of God and have access with the Father. Jesus Christ is our new and living way to the Father. And there is no other way to come to the Father but through the shed blood and the torn body of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number. 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, will not you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408 Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.